You're joining us for our Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. My name is Matthew Brown, and I serve as our digital engagement pastor here at Rolling Hills. We're on week three of our series, Eyes on Jesus. Throughout these past few weeks, we've been learning about why we worry and how we can look to Jesus in our times of stress and fear. In today's message, we'll be looking at some of the healthiest ways we can deal with stress while keeping Christ at the center. We're glad you're here. Well, good morning again. Glad to, to be with you, to be able to open up God's Word. Uh, earlier when uh, we were doing kind of some announcements uh, during the uh, welcome, I failed to mention uh, the, the worshiping connect card or the, or the connect card and prayer card that's on the back of the or the bottom of the worship guide that you received. Uh, and we'd love for, if you're a guest, or just maybe you've come a couple times and maybe now you're kind of figuring, uh, maybe I'll let these guys know who I am. Uh, we'd love to know who you are so that we could let you know a little bit more about who we are and connect with you a little bit to find out how we can connect you to what God's doing here at Rolling Hills. And also that's a place where you can share prayer requests and things that we can celebrate alongside you. You know, we're in a series uh, called Eyes on Jesus and the whole premise, the whole idea of this series is the the stress and the worry and the anxiety that we all face. And, and certainly one of the ways that we uh, deal with or the ways that we come alongside uh, each other is by praying together. So we'd love for you to share those prayer requests with us as we uh, work through this morning. If you have your Bibles and invite you to go ahead and grab, grab that. Maybe it's open in an, an app on your phone. Either way, we're going to be in First Peter uh, chapter uh, 5 is, the, is our text this morning. And like I said, our, our sermon series is called Eyes on Jesus. And, and this whole time what we're doing over the past several weeks, this is week three, we've, we've kind of like, we've explored this universal experience of, of worry and fear and anxiety and the commitment from the outset. What we promised from the very beginning is this, number one, that we would not minimize or ignore worry, anxiety, or fear. We're not trying to make it less than or try to say, hey, you don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. Like, right, There's the things that we worry about, some, they're big deals to us. And so we're not going to minimize it. We're not going to try to give you some bumper sticker-like phrase that's not really helpful uh, to try to, you know, just to kind of give, give credence to it and, and move on, right? And then the second thing that we're going to, that we will do we're not going to do that. What we will do is lean on God's word as our authority. We're going to lean into God's word as our authority and direct our eyes to Jesus. And we're going to hopefully, by God's grace, pull back the curtain on this universal experience of worry and, and fear and anxiety and shine the light of the gospel on it and, and see what God's word says about it. In week one, we started with Hebrews chapter 12, and it was, a, it was a video with Pastor Jeff and the rest of the campus pastors as we just kind of talked through this issue of worry, and we looked at running the race and how God has a race that's marked out for you, that you're not here by accident. He has a purpose and a plan for each and every one of us, and, and in that purpose and plan, as, as Hebrews says, that sometimes we have to throw off the things that keep us from running that race well. Sometimes that, those things that we're throwing off are these worries and anxieties and fears that we all face. And last week, uh, we talked about M Matthew chapter 6, and we heard Jesus' tender calling, these words from Jesus to, to anxious hearts like yours and ours that remind us of who God is and how good he is, that he's our Father, our Heavenly Father. He knows our needs, and he cares for us. Talked about the flowers of the field and, and the birds of the air and how much more he cares for us if he cares for them. This week, like I said, we're going to be uh, in, in First Peter 
chapter 5 and beginning in verse 6. And if you have your Bibles, you just read these and it should be on the screen behind us as we work through it. Verse 6 through 11, this is what God's word says. It says, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he might lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. And the God of grace, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered for a little while will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you for your word. And we come, we approach your word this morning, not as an authority over it, but at at it as our authority, submitting to your word, believing and trusting that what your word tells us is the best. It is what life is like and how we live in in according to your, your way and your will. Father, we pray that you would open eyes and open ears and open minds to be able to see and hear and understand what your word says and that you would speak a fresh word to us this morning from your scripture of how we can bring to you our worries, our anxieties, our fears and trust that you can do with them what you say you'll do with them. We thank you for the worship this morning. We thank you for the church as it gathers here. We thank you for your word. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You know, if you kind of do just a quick look back at the past 22 months, right, it's been quite a ride. Been a pretty wild ride over the the last 22 months. And if you you really kind of sit on it, there's plenty of reasons for all of us to be a little bit stressed out. Right, if we just take a, a quick journey down, uh, down the lane of the, the past 22 years, or 22 months, sorry, we're not doing 22 years, that's not going to be quick. A quick journey down that, you know, like tw- January 2020, I, I know if you were like me, there was such anticipation coming up to this 2020. Right? I mean, there was just something about it, this, this mark of a, a significant date, and, and it was just going to be awesome, right? I, I mean, church after church after church had their 2020 vision plan that they were rolling out. Like, it was all over the place. We went to, I, I took a group of college students back in January or December 19, January 2020, uh, to a passion conference in, in, in uh, Atlanta. And I mean, it was wild. We stayed up way past what I ever stay up. And it was, you know, all these great, I mean, just the worship ringing in the new year, 2020 is going to be awesome. It didn't take long before it wasn't, right? I mean, if this wasn't enough to really kind of headline the fact that it was going to be bad, just a couple of days into 2020, uh, Harry and Meghan decide they're going to leave the royal family. And if that wasn't enough to be like, yeah, it's going downhill, it's going downhill, then we started talking about coronavirus. I mean, it was literally the first couple of weeks of the, of the year, it began to creep in the news and it, not just creep in, but dominate the conversation in the news. I remember having a conversation with our, our, our young adults that, were, that are part of our internship program and leadership pipeline and talking about what are we going to do? You know, that's way over there right now. It probably will never come to the United States. It never come, right? But what are you going to do if somebody has this virus that you know, and we get to go visit them in the hospital? Having this conversation, like, I don't know what I'll do. 
I don't know what I'm going to do in that moment. Am I, are we going to step into those places? Will they even let us into those places? I remember having those conversations. That was early part of January. And then, and then all those things happened. Kobe Bryant and his daughter, seven others die in a, in a, in a helicopter accident. There was one bright spot in the month of January, LSU, my fighting Tigers completed a perfect season, won the national championship. It has been downhill since then, especially yesterday, I don't know. By March, there was a tornado and the first case in, in Williamson County of, of COVID, the stock market crashed. I didn't even remember that. I hadn't, I forgot that completely. That wasn't news enough for very long. And then they took March Madness away. And then they took all sports away. And we were like, what are we gonna do? Like, I, I don't know how to talk to these people in my house. Like, this is what we do is we watch sports together. Maybe that's just my house. And then schools begin to shut down and some of you parents begin this journey of homeschooling and, and many of you haven't recovered from that alone. And that takes us all the way through the, the end of the school year. There's all of these things. The toilet paper goes missing. We're on lockdown. Everyone's new hobby is making masks. I mean, it's just, it's been wild. And then by the summer, there's protests and demonstrations and riots that happen all over the nation in these major cities. And there's murder hornets. Again, another marker of like, how crazy can it get? And then there's September, and in August, there's a, an explosion in Beirut that kills 200 people. Black Panther, Chadwick Boseman, he dies. And then in, in September, Ruth Bader Ginsburg dies. In November, Alex Trebek dies. I mean, this is a lot. And I forgot to mention, in all of that, there's this presidential campaign and election. It was pretty mild, though. No, no, no worries. Not a big deal. By December, we're back on lockdown. We have to do our Christmas Eve services at Rolling Hills, at least, we do our Christmas Eve services virtual. And it, it literally was one of the most painful things just to, to be able to have some freedom and then not have it. And on Christmas Day in Nashville, there's a bomb that explodes and we don't really know what's going on because everybody loses all of our cell service. And I mean, that's the only way we could ever communicate, right? And let's not say that 2021 has been any better it's just, I'm not going to list all of them right here, but those are just the headlines. And, and, and that doesn't even take into account the, the individual stories that we've carried. It doesn't even take into account the, the loss that some of us have experienced for, for various reasons, whether loss of friendships or loss of individuals that we love that, that have gone on to, the, to be with Christ and to, to move on to, to heaven. The, the isolation that we felt, the friction that some of us have experienced between family members and friends because of the, the plethora of polarizing conversations that we could have. It doesn't even take into account how some of you in this room moved your families from a long way away to this area and left friends and family and relationships and history to be here. And we're glad that you're here. Welcome. We're glad that you're here. But we know that it that carries some stress with it. So the headlines and then your own, your own things that you've worked, worked through or being a part of is the part of these number of years. And, and if you have your worship guide, the first thing, really what we, the premise for today is that in a culture and a time and lives that are full of stress, Jesus invites us into a life that's full of peace because he himself is the Prince of Peace. 
in a, in a culture where, where life is full of stress, where, where we're worried and hurried and all of those things, where, where all of these things that we've talked about have happened to us and, and around us and there's a life full of stress, Jesus invites us into a life of peace. And one of the things that I love about scripture and especially this passage as we work through it is that Paul, Peter writing to, these, to, the, to the churches there that he's gonna send this letter to, he's not writing from an ivory tower as if he's never experienced worry and stress and fear the way that some of us have experienced it. I mean, just think about his, his life and just what we know a little bit. I mean, he's experienced work stress in the gospels. It tells us that, that he fishes all night one night. He goes fishing all night and that's his job. It wasn't a hobby. He wasn't just out, just hanging out, like not taking care of things at home, right? He was just, you know, this was like job. He fishes all night and he catches nothing. That's stress. Right? That'll stress a dude out if that's your job and you can't get it done. He's worried as a Christ follower, as a follower of Christ, he, he jumps out the ship, this incredible faith to walk on water and then he turns his eyes from Jesus and he sinks. There's stress in his relationship with Christ. He, fe- he experiences fear as he denies Jesus three times on the eve of his crucifixion. He, he's, he's obedient to Christ, even to death. He's a martyr for his faith. But can you imagine the stress and the anxiety that he could have been under in those moments that, that as he walked through this place where he was obedient to the point where he lost his life for his relationship with Christ. Now, Paul is, or excuse me, Peter has experienced some of the same struggles that you and I have experienced. And the people that he's writing to, these, these churches that are in, in, in this area of what is currently modern-day Turkey, where he's writing, they're experiencing persecution from Greek and Roman neighbors. And so Peter's letters meant to, to write, as he's writing, to encourage them in the face of the, in the stress that they're facing. And, and not only Peter, but Paul, or excuse me, Jesus, I'm going to go through all their names. Jesus faced circumstances as well. I mean, sure, he's the son of God, but I mean, the stresses and the things that would press in on Jesus, he experienced same turmoil and strife that you and I experienced, born in a barn because there wasn't any place for him and his family. And as soon as he's born, they have to, they have to book it to, to Egypt to flee a king who's trying to kill him and then return and they move to Galilee, which let's just say it's not Middle Tennessee. Right? He doesn't live in the bubble that we live in right here. Actually, people, when they find out that he's from Galilee, they say, can anything good come out of Galilee? That's what people say about me coming from South Louisiana. So I know what that feels like a little bit. Like, can anything? He's rejected and misunderstood by his family, by the church leaders. He's betrayed by one of his disciples and abandoned by all of them. He was busy, and it says he was busy even to, sometimes to the point where he was not able to eat or rest But in all of those things, Peter and Jesus, their lives were not marked by worry and chaos and anxiety. They're marked by peace. And in a culture and a life, a culture where life is full of stress, Jesus is inviting us to a life full of peace because he is the Prince of Peace. The first, we're gonna work through the passage. There's three invitations that I believe that we can find in the passage that kind of give us an invitation to this life of peace. And, and the first one, as you're looking through the passage in, in 1 Peter chapter five, that Jesus invites us to stop hiding. That Jesus invites us to stop hiding. This invitation truly really shines a light on my own soul that I'm not really uh, excited about admitting. But there's a phrase that happens that, that I use fairly often, especially when I'm pretty stressed out. And you, if you've been around me and you've heard it, I know my wife has, and, and she knows that it's not like I'm, 
I'm using it because I'm trying to, to refer, get rid of the, anybody's questioning, right? But as there's moments when, when there's particularly stressful and something else gets added, I'll use the phrase, I can handle it. I'll say, I can handle it. It's not a big deal. I can handle it. And the reality is that from the, the depths of my soul, what I'm really saying is I cannot handle it. I'm totally stressed out, but I don't want to say out loud that I can't handle it because that's weak, right? But Jesus in this, in this passage is inviting us to stop hiding. Many of us, maybe, maybe it's not, I can handle it. Maybe there's something else, but there, we've experienced that moment where we're, where we're not okay, even though we say that we're okay. And, and the stress that you and I experience, that stress is not an experience that you deal with. This is a, just to write this down, stress is not an experience that you deal with. Stress is an experience that humans deal with. And that's why in this passage, as Peter writes it, he says, cast all your cares. He's assuming that the people who are reading it and us as well, as we read it later on, that we all have stress and anxieties that we need to cast on, on, the, on the Lord. Whether they're good stress or bad stress, because there's some that's good stress, right? A deadline that's coming is good stress that makes you work, but there's also stress that's negative. Whether good or bad stress, it's to cast all of that on the Lord. If you give you just a second to think about it, I'm sure that over the past week, you could come up with just a handful of things that stressed you out. Maybe it was another question from your kids. Parents, if you don't experience that, I can send mine to your house because it's just an onslaught of questions. I love them dearly. Not the questions, the kids. I love the kids dearly. Maybe it was that one more thing that got added to your task list that you're like, I don't have any space to do that. Maybe it's the doctor, a call from the doctor that you're waiting on that's stressing you out. Maybe it's something that's happening with your kids that you wish that you could fix, but you can't fix, but it's stressing you out. I mean, just a, a couple of minutes, I'm sure that you could come up with a couple of things, but, but he doesn't even qualify or what the thing, how big or small. He doesn't say what cares you can. He says, cast all of them, every one of them, because he knows that we have them. But in order to do that, it means we have to come out of hiding. It means that we have to come out from behind the mask that we wear, that we say everything is fine and I'm okay. And, and, and honestly, the foolish thing is that we think that we're hiding it. And some of us are a little bit better than others at hiding the stress that we experience, but we think that we're hiding it. And really, we're like a two-year-old playing hide-and-seek with adults, where you hide out in plain sight. Have you ever played hide-and-seek with, with a kid like that? Where it's like, I can't see you right there. Because it bubbles over. And our actions and our attitude, that stress bubbles over and, and we either, we're anxious, or our, it, it comes out in apathy where we shut down and we stop caring. It comes out in anger where we, where we have these outbursts and we get angry and, and we blow up on our kids or our family or somebody at work and we don't really know where it comes from. But truly it's coming from all that stress that we're under. Maybe it's that we become anxious and we worry and fret and these, these worries begin to control our minds and they run uncontrolled in our minds and we can't think of anything else. We're totally distant even when we're, present, even when we're there because of these stresses. We think we're hiding them from each other. And even more absurd is that we think we're hiding them from, from God, which is actually just poor theology. It's a poor understanding of who God is. In, in Hebrews, it tells us this, that nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight, that everything is uncovered and laid bare before him to whom we must give account. So what is it? What are the things right now that are stressing you out? 
Maybe it's right now. Maybe it's something that's happened in the past that just keeps coming back. Maybe it's something that's looming in the future. What is it that's stressing you out? And there's some space there for you and your worship God to write those things down. And, and I'd invite you to do that. And maybe right now you're just like, I'm not writing that down right here with everybody looking right. I mean, no. Okay, that's fine. But just maybe sometime this week, as you're spending some time with the Lord, that you take this out and you write down a couple of those things. Identify, come out of hiding with those things that are stressing you out. Because the first part, this invitation to a life of peace is an invitation to come out of hiding. The second one is the second thing that is it's an invitation. It's to invite, the invitation to humbly cast. To humbly cast. Peter says this, that humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, under God's mighty hand. See here, this is something we should all, it's not in, the, in your worship guide, but write this down because this is a truth that we need, to, we need to hold on to. Pride is the enemy of peace. Pride is going to be the enemy of peace in all of our hearts. And, and pride is sometimes cloaked in this self-confidence that we have. And it's a, it's a part of our culture. It's this prevailing message of our culture that we submit to no one. We think of no one other than ourselves. We rely on no one but ourselves. And it's a lie that's been told since the Garden of Eden. Not only is pride the enemy of, con, of, of peace, but it's also, pride is also anti-gospel. The lie was in the garden that, that if you want it, you've got to go get it because God's keeping it from you. And that same lie has been passed down all the way until it sits on our hearts. It started there. It sits on our hearts today. And humility, on the other hand, is that pathway to peace. And it's the first step in us casting our cares on him. Humility means admitting that we're not enough. The reason why pride is anti-gospel is because it's saying that I'm enough. I'm enough to handle this. I'm enough. But what the gospel says is that you're not enough. And I know, listen, I know that that flies in the face of our culture and self-confidence and self-esteem and all of those things. But we all have it. We, it's the lie that, that's coming in our flesh and our culture and the enemy that's prowling around seeking to destroy you is that you're enough. You're enough. Some of you will remember the Saturday Night Live character, Stuart Smalley who would stare in the mirror. And if you haven't, kids, I think that I can tell you to go look it up. I don't, uh, maybe don't go look it up. Parents, you look it up and see if it's okay. But he'd stare in the mirror and he would say, I'm good enough, I'm smart enough. And some of y'all know, doggone it, people like me. I can't tell you that I haven't said that to myself in the car before I get out on Sunday mornings, but that's a joke, I haven't, <laughs> have not. The ridicule that comes from that. But the reality that pages and pages of self-help book, they're filled in, in, in bookstores and podcasts and blogs that are filled with these ideas that you are enough. But the truth here in Scripture is that to find peace that we're searching for, the peace that we're all longing for, that, that those books and the podcasts say that it's in, within ourselves is, is actually humbling ourselves and yielding ourselves under the mighty hand of God, who himself is good enough, who himself is smart enough and strong enough to take all of our cares that we're foolishly trying to, to shoulder on our own or to, to handle on our own and carry on our own backs. 
He's enough, not us. Casting our cares means that Casting our cares means that we have to let go because we can't carry and cast at the same time. And here, I want to make sure before we move on to the, to the last invitation that is, is here in this passage, I, I, there's a difference because I don't want emails. I don't want, I don't want y'all to, to hear me say, you know, misunderstand what I'm saying. There's a difference between self-deprecation and self-understanding. There's a difference between self-deprecation and self-understanding. And I use self-deprecation as a way for humor. So y'all don't need to tell me that, I'm, that, I, that I need to stop it. I, I, I know that I'm not as bad as I say I am up here. Okay? Get it. But self-deprecation is that unhealthy belittling, that degrading, that, that undervaluing ourselves. That's not what I'm talking about. Self-understanding is that recognition that I'm made in the image of God, that I'm valued by God, that I do have value because I am his and understanding that I have limits and that to truly experience the life of peace that I'm longing for, it's going to come as I humbly submit to him. On the other hand, listen, there's a difference between self-help and self-care. Self-help is that what says that you're enough. It says that you're the center and you're the source where self-care, on the other hand, is the wise and helpful ways that we manage the stress that we'll face. And we'll talk about that in just a second. I just want to make sure that that's clear before we move on. So the third, this third invitation is that Jesus invites us to trust him with everything. To trust him past, present, and future. There's no discrimination on what's on, on the large and the small. It's not something, it's not just the things that happened to us or the things that we did, the mistakes that we made. It's not just the large, the looming things that are the, the dark clouds that are looming in the future that we, that we care that those are the ones he wants. He says all those things, past, present, and future, to cast them on him. Even the cares that he's given you responsibility for. The things that are stressing you out, that are, that are above and beyond the normal stress, but also the things that he's given you responsibility for. Uh, the, the past several weeks as, I, as I've worked through praying for my family and praying for my marriage and praying for my wife, the, the, the language is rolling those cares back on him. Because I love my wife. I, and it, is a, it is a part of the things that I, that I have, the responsibilities that I have, that I roll those cares back onto him. I roll my family back onto him. God, you have your way in my family with my kids. You have your way in our finances. You have your way in our marriage. Because if I'm the center of making all of that happen, then it's going to become a stress that's too great for me. But it's a responsibility that he's given me. And I love to be a father and a husband. I roll those cares back onto him. Not only, not only the good things, but not only the, the, the things that are dark clouds, but also the normal parts of the stress, the good stress that God's given us. It's trusting in his great power and his tender presence. Trusting in his great power and trusting in his tender presence. Humbly casting our cares on him means we trust in his power and his presence more than we trust in ourselves. That we have confidence in his power and his presence more than we have confidence in ourselves and those that are around us and anything else that we might put our trust into. We trust him more because he cares for us. I think that's the part that before we move on, I've got to, I want to share a couple of 
just applications for us and, and practical things that we can do. But listen to those words. Cast your cares because he cares for you. Because he's caring for you. Because in, in, in caring, it means that he has to be close. He has to be near. And he knows all the things that you've done, all the failures that you've had, all your success. And still he draws near to you and invites you to cast your cares on him. Because he cares for you. In those dark moments, in those, in those cloudy moments where we are stressed out beyond what we can bear, the reality that he's near and that he cares. And he's mighty enough to take care of those cares that we roll onto him. We got a video that Pastor Chase this week sat down with Amy Alexander, who is a, uh, the director of the Refuge Center. It's a counseling center in Franklin. And just asked the question of how do we, how do we manage and deal with stress in a healthy way? So she's got some, some great uh, tools for us to take. And there's a spot for you to take some notes there. I'd invite you to do that. Uh, and then I'll come back up and close this in just a moment. So let, let's take a look at this video before we move on. Hey guys, I'm super pumped to be sitting here with Amy Alexander. She's the executive director of the Refuge Center for Counseling. But not only that, she goes to Rolling Hills, her family's involved, Dan's her husband. So it's, it's so good to be sitting down um, with you to talk about such a big issue that we're facing. So here's kind of the first question to get us in in this. What's the state of mental health in today's society right now? So statistically, Pre-pandemic, about 25% of Americans were dealing with a mental health concern. Now let's just stop to define that. I think for a long time there's been a tremendous amount of shame and stigma around mental health. So we thought of that as someone who is having mental health problems, a mental health breakdown. And we kind of went, yeah, those people over there need help. But mental health is really just our way of handling stress. It's the way we relate to one another. It's that little voice inside our head that's been talking to us for as long as we can remember. And for some people, that's a voice that says, I'm unworthy or I'm powerless or it was my fault, I'm a failure. And it's our relationship to that voice that defines our mental health. So mental health is something we all have. But right now, as a result of the prolonged uncertainty and yeah. stress that we have faced, mm -hmm. we really have seen an increase in things like anxiety, depression, grief and loss, mm -hmm. um, Substance abuse, increased uh, daily drinking, eating disorders, self-harm, wow. those sorts of things. Wow. Um, tell us what you guys do, what you offer. Sure. Well, the Refuge Center was started in 2005. My dear friend Jennifer Gillette and I co-founded the organization 16 years ago. And we have grown and grown and grown. It was really our heartbeat that no matter what someone was struggling with, what they'd done, what had been done to them, where they lived, what their story was, mm -hmm. that they could come to Refuge and find a place of affordability, excellence, and true healing and care. So we have about 70 counselors now. We provide about 30 3,000 counseling sessions. We work with ages four on up into the 80s. So there's really not a lot we don't do. That's amazing. And we're grateful for the work that you do in our, in our community. And today, as a part of this series, Eyes on Jesus, we're focusing on stress. So 
Give us uh, just a few things on tips, best practices, the way we manage stress. I'd love to talk about that. Yeah. Well, first of all, I want to talk about something called the window of tolerance. So we all have a window, and when we are in that window of tolerance, we're functioning at our best. We can be reasonable and mm -hmm. rational and make good decisions. When we fall below the window of tolerance, we find ourselves to be lethargic, overwhelmed, unmotivated. When we fall upwards out of that window of tolerance, we're anxious, panicked, overwhelmed, even manic at times. We know that stress and trauma shrink the window of tolerance. So all of our windows have been shrunk. Our grace tanks have been running low and our ability to cope has been outweighed by some circumstances that we were just not prepared for. So I think it's really important to recognize that we all need strategies to recalibrate. And it's not the same for every person. What you're navigating will require a different tool at times than mine will. I, I kind of can't overemphasize the importance of movement though. Stress does live in our bodies. It gets trapped at the cellular level. Uh, Bessel van der Kolk wrote, the body keeps the score, would say immobility is at the root of trauma. Mm. It's not just the thing that happened to me. It's the fact that I felt powerless in that moment. So we need to move our bodies to be reminded of their agency, to remind our bodies, I am strong. I can change this. So I just sort of can't emphasize movement enough. Move and pray at the same time. Go on a walk and pray. And there's a lot of neuroscience behind why that works. But I'd love to give four tips for our church today about things that you can do. This is something I've been talking with our team about all year, and it's four ways to get radical. Because we're in radical times, we've got to match that with getting radical. So the first thing is radical boundaries. So Brene Brown did some research and found that the most compassionate people were the people that had the best boundaries, which I think was surprising research. But why is that? Well, because when you said no a lot, there's more internal space to be kind to other people. So radical boundaries means um, saying no more often right now because our margins are thinner. It means doing less than we used to, and all of those things are okay. The second thing I want to talk about is radical adventure. This is really important to me. This is a huge part of my self-care plan, but when life weighs in heavy, sometimes we need to get away to the mountains, to a stream, to an ocean, and we need to go look at how big God is. Look at his majesty, and it's this visceral understanding of, I'm not in charge. I don't carry this on my my shoulders, look at God. And our bodies have to be reminded of that. The third thing is radical rest. So if you used to take a 15 minute power nap on Sundays and that was enough, we've been through a lot, it may not be sufficient in this time. So give yourself permission to rest longer, to rest deeper, to take retreats, sabbaticals, silent retreats, whatever may be needed. And then finally is radical connection. And we just need people more than we ever have. We've been tremendously isolated and that's not gonna happen accidentally. You know, I've been thinking a lot about this idea around not just church around a stage, but church around a table. So find a few people that you see every Sunday and ask them for dinner. It's it's getting brave, it's being courageous, but seek out intentional relationships. And it's, it's what the church really needs right now. The church really needs um, a place to be real, a place for people to be honest and open and for it to be safe to do that. That's awesome. And we know there's a lot going on with you guys. We're praying over you, praying for the refuge that God will provide and give strength and boldness. And so thank you guys so much. Amy, we appreciate you. 
I hope you took some, a couple ideas and notes that, that Amy gives. Uh, I, I know on mine already it's take a longer nap this afternoon. She gave me permission to. Uh, I don't care what anybody says. Yeah, casting our, our cares and our struggles means turning our eyes to him, and that doesn't happen accidentally. It means asking, it means going to him and, and sharing those with, with the Father and, and bringing those to him. It means circling up with others. And that's why we have community groups. It's, she said church around the table. I mean, it's why we have community groups, so we can bear, bear those burdens together. They're not supposed to be ours alone. And I, and I do hope that as you work through, as we listen to what Amy said, that there, was a, there may be a couple things that you leave here as practical steps, but ultimately what I want us to hear is that turning our eyes to Jesus and, and casting our cares on him is, is an intentional act and it's something that each of us can do. But if this morning you have not trusted Christ for salvation, that's what we want you to hear more than anything. That the burden that you carry is a burden that you can't carry. And Christ has invited you into a relationship with him. Christ says, cast all of your burdens on him. And he will, and he will give you peace. He will give you the, the peace that you seek and so if that's a conversation you want to have today as we close and uh, these guys sing, I'll be in the back of the room. And uh, even after we finish here in a little bit, uh, some of our team will be around for you to be able to have a conversation. If you need to know what it means to, to cast your cares and ultimately it's that time where you're saying, God, I need you to take my life because I've been trying to run it on my own and I need you. And so we want to invite you to be a part of that. Let me pray for us and then we'll sing uh, together for just a moment. Jesus, we thank you for all that you're doing and all that you've done and the fact that we get to be a part of your work. We get to be uh, a part of it here at Rolling Hills. And Father, we pray that we would be individuals who do cast our cares on you, that we would bring those to you. Big and small, things that have happened long ago, things that are stressing us out now, things that we're worried about in the future, that we would cast those on you because we know that you care for us. Lord, we love you. We thank you that you loved us first and you love us best and you love us always. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to our Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, where you can find great podcasts like Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, RH Women's As You Go Podcast, and more. If you want to learn more about what's going on in the life of Rolling Hills, download our Rolling Hills app or visit our website at rollinghills.church. From there, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook to stay up to date on what's happening and ways you can connect. We're thankful for you.